Solar Postal Services, Episode 2, Loves, Letters, Lost. It's mostly junk mail today. Junk mail, junk mail, and bills, and bills, and bills, and junk mail, and more junk, and oh. Oh? <laughs> and an apple. <laughs> a an apple with a bite out of it. <laughs> People really will mail anything, won't they? Remember like 10 years ago when mailing potatoes was a really big thing? <laughs> they say, talking to themselves, yes I remember. The 2400s were so weird. Everyone was wearing those wacky hats that looked like tiny versions of themselves, and all the music was about being horny for space. I should listen to some of that. That was pretty good, actually. Your beauty is brilliant. This one looks promising. Finally, something good to read. Oh, oh, it's wet. Dear Mom, I have the most exciting news. I told you that I was leaving Mars, and that is true. But I also told you that it was for work, which was not. I also didn't tell you that I'm not coming back, at least not for a while. The truth is, I met someone, ugh, I know, I know what you're thinking, but just hear me out, okay? I promise it makes sense, I promise I'm not being irrational or, worse, irresponsible. Hmm. I was working at the observatory. I've worked at the observatory for years now. Yes, it's the same one you visited the last time you were here. I worked very hard to get this job, and I don't mean to sound ungrateful. Working at the observatory was good for me in a lot of ways. It was also dreadfully boring. Every day I would go to work, track the same asteroids and comets and space junk, and see if the trajectory changed. It never did. I, I know my job was important. I know that, without people doing what I was doing, we couldn't travel between worlds without getting smote by all the space debris. But sometimes? Most of the time. It felt like I was wasting my time, my life, doing calculations any dumbass could do with a calculator and a science degree. 
I don't think anyone could blame me for getting distracted sometimes. I would watch the spaceships come in and out of the atmosphere like a centuries-old ballet. I saw the other solar planets pass at exactly the time and place they always did. I like to look at the colors of the stars in the background of my target objects. I like that sometimes they changed, even when they weren't supposed to. Especially when they weren't supposed to. I'd been looking at the second galactic quadrant, somewhere around the constellation Cassiopeia, when I saw this... flashing? A light that grew fainter and stronger with some pattern I didn't understand yet. It was almost dancing, smiling, <laughs> laughing. I don't know what it was about this light that caught my attention. There are lots of lights in space, lots more that flash or blink or twinkle, but whatever it was, I was entranced. I watched it for the rest of my shift. What could it be? A commercial starship, maybe? Or some sort of signal launch or an orbit? But it didn't look like anything I'd seen in the sky before. I'd seen ships and satellites and planets, and this was different. Even after I'd left work for the weekend, the lights occupied my mind. When I turned out the lamp to go to bed, I would see the flashing behind my eyelids. I would see patterns and bus turn signals and strangers blinking in the windows of the apartment building across the street. I needed to know what it was. At work, I tried timing the flashes and seeing if the numbers meant anything. I researched every ship flying in and out of Mars. I tried converting the signals from binary, and then from hex, and then I asked the hearing guy who sat next to me to listen to it, and none of it was anything. And then I remembered something I had read once. It was archaic, where signals could be passed through long distances with a series of beeps and longer beeps or flashes and longer flashes. It was probably nothing, but maybe it was everything, and I had to know what the patterns meant. So, the next time I was at work, I turned my scope towards Cassiopeia, and I waited. For all I'd hyped it up in my mind, it was easy, recording the flashes and translating them into words. It felt like the sky was opening up to me when I converted that first set of flashes into words. It was... unexpected. It was poetry. <laughs> no, I mean it was literally poetry. It was verses about water and sky and stars, rhyming couplets and long free verse poems. And it was a lot of things, but mostly it was unexpected. So, for weeks, I just watched. Not all day, but every day. I watched as the stars wrote poetry for me. And I just took it in. On one of my days off, I went up to use the big free telescope on top of the building. I searched until I found the source of the flashing. And then... <laughs> with an industrial-strength laser pointer. I wrote back 
There is an asteroid at the other end of the light. But there is also a woman. Her name is Maya, and she works by herself on a water power harvesting farm. It's an asteroid drenched in waves. And on the solar-facing side, Maya lives in a tower that sends light signals into space. It's only supposed to show incoming ships where to land, but, well, she isn't very good at following rules. She calls it her lighthouse. Isn't that funny? She read an old book once, about a lonely old man who tended to one of those old earth towers by the sea. She says she thought it was beautiful, the idea of spending your life as a caretaker for something so sturdy, ragged by waters that are anything but... Maya and I wrote each other every night after that. Every night. Until she sent me a message that changed my life. It was two words. Come visit. Now, the thing about the code is that there's no punctuation. It could have been a question. Come visit. Or a command. Come visit. In the end, I didn't care about whatever punctuation mark was omitted. I booked myself a round-trip ticket to 433 Eros and... <laughs> well, I haven't used the second half of the ticket yet. <sighs> we got married last month. It wasn't much, but... It was beautiful. Just the two of us on the top of the lighthouse, looking at the waves and seeing each other. I think you would have liked it, but it was just so perfect, only the two of us, that I wouldn't have changed a single thing. I know this is a lot. I'm telling you all of this so that you can understand why I left the way I did. Why I had such a dramatic change of heart. Maya isn't my world. I was tempted to write that she is, but... Aside from being cliché, it would also be untrue. My world is made up of a great many things, including the stars, the sky, the water, and a woman. My world is spending long hours alone trying to read books whose pages have stuck together with long dried salt water. My world is cans of sweet baked beans and two pairs of damp sneakers and the bright flashing of my wife's poetry. My world is the collection of memories that make up who I am and the four senses that make those memories in real time. Maya isn't my world, but when she showed me hers, I realized that there is nowhere else I would rather live. I love you dearly, and I hope you understand. Your daughter, Aurora Tracy Bradley. That was nice. It's good to see that not all weddings are terrible. You've gotten bitter, Jam. It's not a good look on you. There. Good as new. I'm gonna back the moon.
you for listening to Solar Postal Services. This episode, Love's Letters Lost, was written and produced by Emily Craig and directed by Lizzie McNamara. Theme music and I'm Gonna Fuck the Moon were composed by Kayla Shamas. The voice of Jam was Emily Craig. Sound effect credits can be found in the description. Want to send us some space mail? Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Twitter at SPS underscore pod, and Tumblr at Solar Postal Services, or find our website at solarpostalservices.com. And hey, please tell your mom before leaving the planet. It's probably something she wants to know.